And where can you fit in five to 10 minutes of extra movement the next day? Uh, whereas usually if you didn't even think about it, you'd probably just end up on the couch scrolling through Instagram, posting memes or, or yeah. going on to Netflix, right? Yeah. So it's, it's kind of taking the control back with the smallest step possible. And I typically always tell people too, is that we are very heavily reliant on motivation in order to get us going, mm -hmm. where the true source of our progress is actually momentum. And mm -hmm. momentum is where we take the smallest little step towards that ideal behavior, that ideal habit, and you realize that it's easy. And so you, you, kind, of, you kind of start habit stacking, like, oh, a five-minute walk wasn't so bad. Let me make it 10 minutes. Or, you know, that, that fresh green smoothie I had this morning actually tasted pretty good. Maybe I should have a salad for dinner instead of that poutine, right? Yeah. So it's, it's the smallest step you can take in the positive direction that leads to this cascade of, um, of, of kind of that dopamine and wanting to experience that sense of accomplishment once again and, and repeating that behavior or adding extra behaviors on top of it that lead to that. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Don't ever let somebody tell you you can't do something. You're listening to the Blessed for Success podcast. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Blessed for Success podcast. I'm your host, Tanvir Mustafa. My guest today is a speaker, author, and high-performance trainer. Through her studies in integrative medicine, behavioral neuroscience, and positive psychology, she has crafted what she calls the peak performance model, a framework which she uses in her coaching and consulting to help individuals and organizations maximize their energy, mindset, and productivity in both their personal and professional lives. She is also the author of The Peak Performance Advantage, which details the model she created to help readers fuel their personal and professional success. It is currently available on Amazon and can be purchased using the link in the show notes. Her mission is to educate, inspire, and guide others to overcome physical, mental, and structural obstacles that are holding them back from achieving their full potential by using evidence-based practices to adopt and sustain behaviors that improve health and quality of life. Introducing Parmesia Zdanyar. I've been following you for for time, probably since like late 2017, oh, wow. um, maybe early 20, 2018. And that's yeah, when you like, that's a long time. Yeah, that's when mm -hmm. you were like really like posting a lot of content and like putting a lot of information out there. Like yeah. I think biohacking material, like psychology yeah. information. Um, and then all of a sudden one day you disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was yeah. like, after a while, I was like, wait, I don't see Where her content anymore. Yeah, what yeah. happened? So, um, but it's good to have you back in full form and it, and it seems Thank like better than ever. So uh, it's a pleasure to have you on the Blessed for Success podcast um so thanks for coming on Parmes. i appreciate it thank yeah you. for sure no thank you honestly thank you for having me on yeah i want to i want to start by kind of asking the question that i that i start every podcast with which is um today what are you most blessed for what am i most blessed for um it's funny you, you bring that up. It was just something I was reflecting on this morning as in the last week or so, just getting a little bit more active, putting myself out there with more clients and, and all of that. Mm -hmm. um, looking back in hindsight, I am actually so grateful for a number of obstacles that have kind of found themselves in my way within the last year, year and a half. And 
I can very confidently say that in the moment, that was absolutely not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm actually very grateful that certain things happened the time that they did that allowed me to grow to where I am right now, January of 2020, um, with the mindset that I have. Mm-hmm. Because the things that I've learned, I feel, especially in the last year, there are individuals that probably takes them 40 years to accumulate um, that level of, I don't want to say experience or knowledge, but more so self-awareness. So I'm blessed to have gone through some things and to have stuck to my guns um, and to be able to come out stronger in a way that has not diminished my own um, self-concept or my own confidence in myself or anything like that, but has kind of fueled this ability to want to now share what I've learned with others and in hopes of helping them um, achieve that state of peak performance as well. Yeah, no, and that's awesome. Like, I think, I think 2019, 2019, despite being a year full of obstacles um, mm-hmm. for you, as you mentioned, was probably your biggest learning date to, to you know, learning year Today, if I'm if yeah. I'm not uh, wrong, so yeah. you know, what would you say just in terms of lessons? We can dive into, you know, the the particulars in a bit, but you know, what did you yeah. learn from 2019 in hindsight? Oh my goodness! Okay, um, I learned. I think probably the overarching umbrella lesson that encompasses many different experiences was probably to properly set boundaries. And I know this is kind of a concept that's a little overdone in in traditional self-help, talking about boundaries, saying no. And it's something I've talked about in the past. It's something that I've um, really kind of drove the nail in deep last year, the of respecting your own time, your own money, your own energy, Mm -hmm. Um, in spite of you know, opportunities and shiny objects and people wanting to collaborate and people wanting to work with you. It's just having that, uh, that strong sense of self and understanding that you can stand for yourself and respect yourself and at the same time still be of service and still be out there for others um, and still be providing a level of service that doesn't diminish your light. So you can still be that strong, passionate, um, confident, re- resilient person mm-hmm. while being able to say no, while being able to respect all of that. And there was, mm-hmm. there's a number of, of things that happened that kind of kept reinforcing that. But mm-hmm. I'm a strong believer that sometimes when you don't pick up on a lesson, it keeps showing up in your life and in different ways until you finally grasp it. Yeah. So yeah, that would be probably the, the overarching theme of, of last year. Mm-hmm. Like you were forced to address these things that, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's great that you had to basically and this is what I was thinking of that you had to apply kind of all the teachings that you've put together over the years mm-hmm. um, to your own life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, when it comes to the particular obstacles, obstacles, um, I mean, you can discuss what they are if you want, mm-hmm. but like in terms of what the actual obstacles were um, from a, you know, high level standpoint, mm-hmm. what type of things did you have to address and mm-hmm. then, on top of that, how did you have to apply your own, you know, belief system, your own teachings, your own, yeah. um, you know, lessons that you've learned over the years towards towards those particular obstacles? Yeah, totally. Um, I think the one that uh, that comes to mind first is something I actually recently posted about too that that gained a lot of traction, mm-hmm. and that was that I ignored my inner check engine light. 
And so that was a, that was one that was really hard for me to admit to because I'm in the health field. I'm someone that always preaches about not just the the notion of self-care, but also about, um, knowing the difference between doing and being and being someone that is not just, you know, consciously building a life of success and entrepreneurship and and constant growth, but also tending to their own kind of needs in -hmm. terms of health, well-being, in terms of what they need to kind of feed feed their soul. So I think one of the, the specific obstacles was that with massive growth and with kind of like this exponential rise of popularity and requests to be on podcasts and requests to coach and to speak and to write and to contribute, um, there were specific times throughout the months that I felt almost like a little voice behind my head saying, slow down, take some time to yourself, or perhaps don't, don't continuously launch yourself into new, um, endeavors, into new projects, into new collaborations. Mm -hmm. So there was almost like this inner check engine light that kept going off saying, you know, you need to slow down. And, Typical healthy Parmese would uh, completely, you know, listen to it and say, okay, I need to take some time off for myself. I need to recuperate. But because I was on such a, a you know, upward spiral of this, this roller coaster of, of going full speed ahead, mm-hmm. I felt that I didn't want to impede on my momentum and potentially lose out on opportunities or disappoint others. The boundary thing comes back again. Um, and so I kept ignoring that check engine light. And very quickly, it kind of led me to the state of, I don't like calling it burnout because still to this day, <laughs> I, I don't want to admit that it was a burnout because you don't feel it, you know, right? You get all the standard typical um, uh, symptoms of burnout, which are like, you know, you're not able to focus properly and the person completely is, you know, stimulus overload and they need to take time off for stress leave. That wasn't me, mm-hmm. but I did notice a massive drop in my productivity, in my mm-hmm. creativity, in my mm-hmm. emotional stability. My mood was all over the place. I would be declining requests to get on podcasts or to get up on stage just because I didn't fully trust myself to be able to show up and to be able to perform. Mm-hmm. And it was really frustrating because for the majority of my life, I've identified as this high-performing individual, as this person who's able to show up and crush it and who's able to put talks together within five minutes, get up on stage and just wing it. And people would be like, wow, that was amazing. Mm -hmm. So to kind of strip away a part of my identity that no longer could do that Mm -hmm. was was very difficult. So one major obstacle, and now I'm so kind of, I'm I'm hammering it in with clients. I'm hammering in in with my my, uh, content as well. It's to not ignore that sign that once the creativity is diminished, when you're feeling the need to isolate, when you're feeling the need to pull back and instead of continuously creating and progressing, rather take that time to perhaps regress and refeed and refuel. Mm -hmm. Don't ignore that because as much as we say as entrepreneurs that, you know, pick something that you love doing and you'll never work a day in your life, Mm -hmm. your life's work is technically work. Your craftsmanship requires a level of challenge and requires a level of engagement that requires some time off and requires some time away in order for Mm. you to be able to perform better each time. It's Mm -hmm. like growing a muscle, right? If you're going to the gym and you're kind of hitting the same muscle hard every single day, you can't really expect it to be growing. You need that time to to refuel and to rest in order for that muscle to grow. So I feel that our potential or our craft as, um, you know, creators, as producers, as, as whatever you like to call it needs that time away in order to be able to show up. Mm -hmm. And so that was probably one major obstacle I hit. And I kept pushing.
working through, right? I kept saying, yeah, "Yeah, I'm really tired today, but no, screw it. I got to write this. I got to write this post. I got to get on this call. I got to, so it it really did um, do some damage. Yeah. Yeah. And it took months. It really did take months of healing to come out of that state. Yeah. Yeah. So don't ignore it when it first starts. (laughs) mm -hmm. It, it, I've, I've experienced just based on kind of the feelings that you're, you're discussing. Mm-hmm. Like um, I remember in my second year of university, I experienced something very similar in the sense mm-hmm. that every club that asked me to join, every club that I wanted to join, mm-hmm. every job offer that was on the table I wanted to take. And I was doing maybe like four or five school clubs at the same time, working two yeah. part-time jobs, like, you know, full-time course load. And then, um, you know, I, I did burn out. Like I did um, burn out to the point where I just had to say no to everything and everything. then yeah. rebuild from square one, um, yeah. kind of rebuild who I was who I wanted to be and then exactly. align my goals accordingly and align because all this stuff that I was doing was really just because it's like what you said you don't want to miss out on opportunities blah 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 yeah even though those opportunities might not really align with your particular goals or exactly. you know those things in particular so um knowing what that feels like though like those 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 sentiments come across um when it comes to like there's this been this debate about mm-hmm work-life balance like you talked mm-hmm. about work and you know mm-hmm. how like oh if you do what you love you know mm-hmm. you don't work a day never work yeah yeah <laughs> um you know a lot of people are saying that there's no such thing as work-life balance a lot of mm-hmm. people are saying it's very necessary you know what are your what's your take on on that um yeah yeah Absolutely. Yes. No, definitely a a popular topic that's been kind of gaining some buzz around, uh, like you said, some debate as well, whereas some people are saying it completely doesn't exist and others say it's it's necessary. Mm -hmm. Um, How I see it is that anything that is in balance, meaning there's two kind of equal parts that are just kind of staying on the same level, Mm -hmm. that never leads to growth. Meaning that if there's ever a level a level of growth that needs to be experienced, something's got to be out of balance, right? Mm-hmm. We talk about this concept of opportunity cost, meaning that if you're giving time, energy, effort, money, resources to one thing, mm-hmm. then you're taking that away from something else. The way I see work-life balance is that it's more of a work-life rhythm mm-hmm. rather than a balance. So what I mean by rhythm is that there most definitely will be periods of your life that things will fall out of balance per se. Um, Meaning that you're going to have to take some time away from, you know, your weekends off or from your friends or from uh, extracurricular activities or or things like that to be put into this, this state of deep hustle and focus and uh, momentum building and connection building and all of that. But that's not sustainable over the long term. So how I see it is almost like a sprint, right? Mm -hmm. So you do perhaps a, a period of time, that is just dedicated to pure focus. Mm -hmm. And then you start taking a period of time that's dedicated more to uh, reconnecting with loved ones and and doing more things that are outside of your, your line of work. So as much as I do believe that, that a certain level of balance needs to be infused in your days, I never recommend, you know, working 18 hour days, cutting back on sleep, cutting back on eating nutritiously, cutting back on exercise. I think that there's some some foundational things that human beings need to be doing in order to reach a level of high performance. Mm-hmm. But it's not so much saying that I'm going to dedicate eight hours to sleep, eight hours to work, and eight hours to play. Mm-hmm. That to me is is uh, is also sometimes not realistic, and unfortunately mm-hmm. sometimes is conveyed in the personal development world as as what balance is. You know, mm-hmm. I, I work this much, and I 
uh, I played this much or, or I, I deserved yeah. my weekends. I deserved my Friday, my Friday nights out, which yeah. I don't necessarily agree with. I just believe in getting into a rhythm of things that, that work well for you. Mm-hmm. meaning that that might be three hours of deep work a day. That might be five hours of deep work a day. That might be taking two days a week where you're straight on working 12 hours, you know, back mm-hmm. to back to back. And then a couple of days a week that you're kind of just recuperating and, and doing things that are outside of your line of work. So mm-hmm. balance is really what resonates with you and what allows you to be thriving as a human being while you're still contributing to the world in a positive way. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. sounds like in the midst of that, that's when you have to kind of check the engine light because absolutely you work yeah. those two 12 hour days back to back. You might consider then tuning into yourself and being like, okay, do I need some, you know, do I need to dial it back a little or, that's right. you know, yeah. without forcing, without forcing you to do too much. So I love, I love this topic of, of high performance, which is obviously something that you mm-hmm. very uh, aptly <laughs> specialize in. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why you created, um, you know, the peak performance model. Yeah. Can you describe how you came up with this model, what it consists of, and then um, we'll get back to kind of like how you applied it to the challenges that you face. But first, kind of what is it? (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. I love this question. Um, So high performance or peak performance, as, as I like to call it, is a state where an individual is physically, mentally, emotionally, and societally thriving. Mm -hmm. And, and so it's, it's, coming up with this this ideal state or this ideal version of yourself and stepping into that person who's able to um, master their life on on all levels. Now, how this model came to be, and I, I'll go through the three components very in, in a short second, mm-hmm. but essentially when I was kind of studying psychology, I have a background in functional medicine, I've always looked at high performance in a very segmented ways, meaning that it's been... Um, a lot of research around high performance is kind of done in silos, meaning that they'll look at Olympians who are physically, let's say, at their peak, right. or they'll look at uh, philosophers and academics who are mentally, let's say, or intellectually at their peak, or they'll look at people who have overcome uh, major adversity in their life and have you know, become extremely resilient. I'm thinking of people such as you know, Gandhi, such as Oprah, you right. know, people who have overcome such... Uh, such deep kind of pain and struggle, but have now become a learning force for others to to learn from. And so I noticed that high performance was always done in in these segmented ways of of looking at at what builds a human, right? Mm -hmm. So at at the time I was looking at um, physically what leads to people being, you know, reaching their peak, right? So we're looking at uh, nutritional balance, looking at muscle development, looking Mm -hmm. at people who are able to to break records and and all of that. Mm -hmm. And so I realized that there's this aspect of of mental performance that's missing outside of that model. And then once I got into the self-help kind of realm of things, I noticed that there was all this rah-rah kind of Tony Robbins type talk about NLP and getting your mind right and getting your mindset right and doing the meditation and the visualization, but they completely missed out on some of the key factors that was described in the biochemical or physical realm, talking about how the importance of sleep or the importance of taking care of your health or how to to boost your brain or biohack from a cellular level in order Mm -hmm. for you to be able to perform. So- 
that, that those were those two kind of schools of thought. And then there was this aspect of, of productivity, which in my book I describe productivity to me does not mean how much you're able to produce, but it's how much value you're able to put out into the world while still maintaining your health, your family, your relationships, and all of that. So productivity is, is how intentionally um, you're pursuing meaningful goals and bringing value back to to society in a way that tends to not only yourself, but serves others on a whole as well. Mm -hmm. So looking at these three kind of pathways of, of mental, uh, physical, emotional, and also kind of um, a, a productive way of showing up as a human being, I put together this, this peak performance model, as I like to call it, which has the three components of high performance. It's got your physiology, it's mm -hmm. got your psychology, and it's mm -hmm. got your productivity. So mm -hmm. in order for you to be a high-performing human being, not only do you have to get your mind right and, and have those high achieving goals and, and uh, do the visualization and, and listen to the podcast and read the books and, and kind of get that mental intellectual stimulation going, yeah. but you also have to make sure that you're, um, you're tending to your body, you're tending to your physiological needs, and you're doing what it takes in order for you to be um, mentally optimized, in order for mm -hmm. you to be taking in the nutrition that you need, in order for you to be ridding your body of toxins that's depleting you, um, to be getting the sleep and rest that you need. So mm -hmm. it's, it encompasses the physiological aspect. But this last component that has really kind of solidified, especially over the last year, is the aspect of productivity, meaning mm -hmm. the meaningful goals that you're working towards. Um, this also kind of struck a chord with me as last year, one of my biggest realizations where a lot of the achievements and accomplishments that I had been chasing after or I had been achieving were fueled from the sense of I'm not worthy enough. And so I need to continuously prove to the world that I'm a somebody. And so I, from the outside, probably looked like the most productive human being. I was full-time in school, running a business, traveling and speaking, writing a book. So from the outside, I kind of looked like that superhuman. Mm. And I felt like it for the longest mm. time. But the more I dug into it, I realized that a lot of these achievements, the income goal, the uh, conquering 12 stages, whatever it was, was fueled from this deep inner state of not feeling like I'm enough and constantly having to, to hustle in order to prove to myself in the world that I'm actually a person of, of meaning or mm -hmm. a value. Mm -hmm. So productivity has, has, has kind of put together or brought in together the uh, amalgamation of when you are physically aligned and physically thriving and mentally uh, aligned and, and thriving. The result of it is that you become this, this ultimate human being that is able to be productive, to be efficient, to be sharp, to be happy, mm -hmm. um, and ultimately contribute to the world in a positive way. Because at the end of the day, that's pretty much the only thing that matters is that you yourself as a human being is fulfilled in what you're doing and yeah. that you're sharing your journey with other people so that they too can also be inspired and to to reach greater heights in their mindset and their health their finances their relationship and mm. and so on so that's in yeah. a nutshell the peak performance model and how it came to be <laughs> that's awesome i i love i love the fact that you said that you know the ideal outcome is fulfillment mm -hmm. because for the longest time you heard people saying and still people saying is like, oh, you know, you got to go after happiness, like, like happy is the goal. Whereas like, that's not that to me, that's no. not the goal. Like happy no. is happy or sad is going to happen, right? This, this is life. Like you're going to go through ups and downs. You're going to have, um, you know, highs and lows, but happiness mm -hmm. can't be a constant goal because yeah. you there, then you don't know what, you know, being down feels like. That's right. Um, whereas when you have fulfillment, at least, oh, <laughs> at least you can, you know, carry forward in good conscience and, That's right. and, um, 
you know, live a life that you enjoy still Absolutely. despite the ups and downs. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. There's a concept in my book I talk about, which is uh, ha- chasing happiness versus meaning. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of people misunderstand that happiness, like you said, is not the absence of, of sadness or, or of heartbreak or of, of failure or any of that. It's realizing that the things that make you the most happy in life will require a level of struggle, a level of sacrifice, and potentially a little bit of a level of of suffering in order for it to have meaning to it. I often talk, uh, when I'm on stage, I'm talking about parenting, for example. Mm -hmm. On average, statistically, parents actually have a much lower um, score of happiness, per se. But when you're talking about meaning and when you're talking about um, feeling a sense of purpose in their lives, they usually have a higher sense of purpose than the individuals who do not have children. Now, having children is not the only way to achieve a purpose, but uh, it's, it's again, looking at their day-to-day might not be as happy or as fun as the individual who um, has that freedom. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, that, that struggle, that working towards a goal of raising, you know, competent human beings um, <laughs> and, and throughout that journey, it, it leads them to this ult- ultimate state of fulfillment, which is key. Mm-hmm. So what happens, what happens to that model or what happens to the outcome Um, And maybe you can give an example of this. If one of those kind of three pillars Mm -hmm. is not utilized or is is kind of pulled out of the rug, what what happens then? What's the outcome? Yeah, well, the outcome is um, the burnout that I felt last year. (laughs) (laughs) So the outcome of that is is basically if if one of those things falls out of um out of balance or or is taken out of the equation right. um that your success or your high performance is no longer sustainable mm-hmm. you might be able to uh fuel on all cylinders and and just keep going for a little while but sooner than later it's going to catch up to you mm-hmm. if you take the physiological aspect out of the picture um you're you're physically going to burn out right mm-hmm. I, I still remember one of the first kind of social um what was it? it's like a social media uh, content conference thing I'd gone to and I was sitting at a table with a bunch of young men yeah. uh, and they were all almost wearing uh, the, the fact that they don't sleep at all at night as a, as a badge of honor, right? Like right. I only get four nights, of, four, four hours of four sleep hours at of night. Sleep. Yeah. I, I wake up at 4am I'm grinding. I'm, but it was interesting to me that instead of looking at it as a way of it's impeding their performance, they were, mm-hmm. they were proud. They were boasting about it. Right. Mm-hmm. So that physiological aspect of is not taken care of, then you're surely going to be burning out you're going to re- reach a, a you know a slight get a slight taste of success and then realize that you're depleted that you're you're gaining weight that you're not able to mentally focus anymore so mm-hmm. that that becomes that the mental aspect of it is really when you realize that you're no longer stimulated. You're no longer feeling like you're working towards something that has meaning to you. You're kind of regurgitating information, but you're never kind of growing on a mental level. Mm -hmm. And of course, the byproduct of that is that your productivity is going to suffer because Mm -hmm. no longer are you going to be able to produce creative content to make you stand out. And uh, again, the purpose and meaning thing comes back again. You feel like you're going to be chasing goals for the sake of chasing goals and not because they're personally meaningful to you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, that... And so, so then when it, when it comes to, you said, obviously it led to the burnout that you mm-hmm. experienced personally, mm-hmm. which one was lacking, mm-hmm. uh, like which pillar was lacking. Mm-hmm. And then what did you do? How did you end up using the model to kind of basically fix to your get own? Back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Get back into uh, peak performance mode. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, it was, I'm, I'm not going to lie, it was actually very difficult for me to come to the conclusion that despite living and breathing this model for a very long time, mm-hmm. and um, 
really being the the advocate or the result of of implementing all those things Mm -hmm. i did lose touch with i would say probably a little bit of each one last Mm -hmm. year so physiologically i've always been extremely healthy despite um a lot of uh, personal struggles and things that were completely out of my control that happened last year i was still working out i was still going for my walks i was still doing my breathing my meditation Mm -hmm. um but i perhaps wasn't as consistent with it as i used to be i would miss workouts and i would say it's fine i'm stressed out right or it's 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 again that that aspect of the compound effect that small tiny behaviors Mm -hmm. um lead to you know your ultimate results and so uh just it's like the doubling penny where if you're doing, you know, if you're doubling a penny every single day for 30 days, you end up with $5 million. Yeah. But if you're inconsistent with it, you might end up with 5,000, right? Right. So I think I was letting, I was being a little bit too lenient on myself, um, allowing small things to get out of the way. Okay, a cheat meal here, cheat meal there, whatever, I'm stressed. And I would, I would mm-hmm. kind of feed back into, um, I, I, I deserve this or I'm going through a tough time right now so I can cut myself some slack. Mm-hmm. And that kind of cascaded into the mental Right. So if I'm missing my workouts, if I'm not eating properly, if I'm not doing my, mm-hmm. my regular routine to a T, then my mental aspect was was not fully there. I wasn't as sharp. I wasn't uh, getting the rest that I needed. So I wasn't waking up kind of ready to crush the day. Mm-hmm. And ultimately that poured into my productivity, not being able to to perform or not being able to uh, to write content or there was days where, and I mean, I've always been a content writer. I've always been someone who's been, uh, extremely kind of outward in my expression and my thinking and my writing. Yeah. So to be able to sit there and not be able to produce at the level that I usually do was mm-hmm. extremely heartbreaking for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there was, honestly, I could say it was a little bit of each because they're all so intertwined and, and reliant on each other that if one falls out of its regular kind of pace, then, then for sure it's going to impede on the performance of, of the other two. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And uh, like, I can, I can agree. You do put out amazing content. Like Thank it's you. always awesome. And also your meme game is completely on point on Instagram. So that's, <laughs> that's awesome. Thank um, you. But yeah, like, like even when you're discussing, like you, you have all these goals in mind, you're like taking, carrying out the habits, like starting 2020, I had so many priorities and like all these resolutions and, mm-hmm. um, but I know that for resolution to take form, you have to like implement the proper habit. So it's habits mm-hmm. first and then goals Absolutely. for me. Yeah. Um, and then I got sick on Wednesday and all the habits went out the window. Like no more reading, no more intermittent yeah. fasting, no more yeah. going on walks, like no more exercise. Like yeah. it all yeah. went out the window. And now I'm, you know, as of today, trying to just get back, get back into full form and like put myself back mm-hmm. together to the habits that I had before, um, mm-hmm. you know, what's the best way once you've kind of lost your way or, you know, I I find that a lot of people are committed for some time, but then lose it for a bit. Yeah. But then because they lose it, um, they don't think that they can get back on track. They're like, Oh, I already failed. How how do you, how do you get back on track after, you know, kind of you've thrown it all out the window? For sure. Um, I think one of the biggest reasons why people often fall off track and then kind of give up at that point is because they're looking at change from the standpoint I usually use the analogy as, as, as if you're standing at the bottom of a mountain and you're looking up and, you, and it's, it's overwhelming, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh my gosh, there's so much that needs to be done. Right. And, and like you said, even when I coach the peak performance model, the typical answer I get is that's, that's a lot of positive changes that someone has to make in order to reach peak performance. And yeah. so typically they just fall back into their own patterns because it's such a big, scary goal mm-hmm. um, that they, they don't think they have what it takes in order to, to achieve it. My advice to someone would be to take the smallest step possible 
mm-hmm. um, towards whatever goal that is. So instead of looking at it as, you know, I need to be intermittent fasting, I need to be going on walks, I need to do my light therapy, I need to do yeah. my HIIT training, I need to, instead of looking at it from this this big kind of goal that uh, in order to be healthy, I need to be incorporating all these things. I typically tell my clients, just think about how you can make your next meal a little bit healthier, mm-hmm. right? And where can you fit in five to 10 minutes of extra movement the next day? Uh, whereas usually if you didn't even think about it, you'd probably just end up on the couch scrolling through Instagram, posting memes or, or <laughs> yeah. going on to Netflix, right? Yeah. So it's, it's kind of taking the control back with the smallest step possible. And I typically always tell people too, is is that we are very heavily reliant on motivation in order to get us going, mm-hmm. where the true source of our progress is actually momentum. And mm-hmm. momentum is where we take the smallest little step towards that ideal behavior, that ideal habit, and you realize that it's easy. And so you, you, kind, of, you kind of start habit stacking. Like, oh, a five-minute walk wasn't so bad. Let me make it 10 minutes. Or, you know, that, that fresh green smoothie I had this morning actually tasted pretty good. Maybe I should have a salad for dinner instead of that poutine, right? Yeah. So it's, it's the smallest step you can take in the positive direction that leads to this cascade of, um, of, of kind of that dopamine and wanting to experience that sense of accomplishment once again and, and repeating that behavior or adding extra behaviors on top of it that lead to that. Mm-hmm. So if you fall off track, Instead of giving, getting overwhelmed and saying, crap, I didn't fast today, I didn't exercise, I barely slept, um, all of those things put together obviously lead to health, but there are also a lot of things that you can do. So start looking at the smallest, smallest little step like, okay, I didn't sleep well, maybe I should you know, cut back on my social media consumption tonight and, and kind of hit the hay an hour early. Or maybe I should... Um, uh, I don't know if we're doing exercise, maybe I should just go and take a five minute walk instead of feeling like I need to go to the gym for an hour and pump iron for, for a whole session. Yeah. So it's just the smallest step possible you can take. And that itself will lead you down, um, you know, step by step again to taking positive, positive steps towards habit building. Mm-hmm. No, and I, and I agree. And there's this, there's this interesting thing that I thought you were going to say that you didn't say, Okay. I like what you said instead, which I'll bring yeah. up. But first I have to acknowledge that you said poutine instead of poutine, <laughs> which I love because that's, that's true. Like Ottawa, Quebec yeah. language. Yes. Um, but you said that, you know, instead of, you know, we rely too much on motivation, mm-hmm. but instead we rely on, or Dis- we should yeah. rely on momentum. Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to say discipline, discipline, but you said momentum. And I, I kind of like, yeah, I like momentum better because, you know, oftentimes when I, when I think of discipline or when people talk about discipline yes obviously with momentum you need to be disciplined in carrying out the momentum right but if you're thinking okay you know i'm gonna start you know eating healthy so i gotta have like three salads a day or like you know i gotta have a salad every day versus let me start with one you know move like let me start somewhere and then build up slowly as opposed to trying to go play like the long game or trying to sorry yeah carry out the full habit from the very beginning That's every right. day nonstop. That's right. And discipline is a bit of a scary word. Um, yeah. Discipline makes people think of um, parental discipline, makes them mm. think of correctional discipline. It makes them think that they need to be, uh, or they need to have a certain level of willpower that a lot of people don't believe that they have. Mm-hmm. And so when you say, you know, don't rely on motivation, you got to rely on discipline. Um, it kind of, oftentimes just kind of goes through one ear and goes up the other. Whereas I find that when you say momentum, momentum is a lot more of an easier concept to grasp onto because you realize that it's just putting one foot 
in, you know, in front of the other. Mm-hmm. I often joke with, uh, with people and I say, if your room is a complete mess, just start off with picking up like a single paperclip or a single piece of clothing off the ground, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's just that one action, the tiniest little step that you can take that oftentimes doesn't really take much motivation to do mm-hmm. will kind of cascade into this effect of, of doing that. And mm-hmm. then repeated behavior is what becomes discipline. We don't just automatically wake up and feel like, you know what, today I'm just going to be very disciplined. Because if we're relying on that source of willpower, we're going to be depleting it, right? Mm -hmm. And so as the day goes on, as we're making more decisions, as we're faced with more challenges or obstacles or or Mm -hmm. things where we have to rely on willpower, we're depleting it as we go. And so Mm -hmm. our discipline sometimes gives in and then we feel bad about it. And then we resort to old patterns of behavior and old ways of of thinking or behaving that are not ideal or not conducive to the person we want to be. So momentum allows you to to take that small step, kind of give yourself a pat on the back Mm -hmm. and then continue with it. And over repeated time, it becomes a habit. Yeah. I've been, I've been like, like, for example, meditation is something that I've been on Mm -hmm. and off with super, but when I have done it, it's been valuable when I, but then I feel bad for not being able to keep that habit. But Mm -hmm. I realized recently, like before I was trying to do 10 minute meditations, even five minute meditations. And I was like, kind of like losing focus. Mm -hmm. Um, And now like I'm doing two to three minute meditations, which I find is like just helping build the momentum um, a lot better for me. So, no, that's like, I I agree completely. And and I think that's the way that a lot of people should focus on their Mm -hmm. goals. You know, whoever's listening, you know, break your goals down into sizable habits first that you can use to, you know, build the journey to, towards your goals mm-hmm. um, and make them kind of slowly increase as you build up, mo- as you build momentum. And, exactly. and that way you can build discipline at the same time. That's right. um, now, if we dive into kind of the micro a bit more, mm-hmm. so um, the peak performance model being uh, physiological, psychological, psychological yep. and, neur- and neurological or spiritual. Close enough. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of like, I, I call it uh, the productive level. Okay. So yeah. Okay, so if we break those down individually, because mm-hmm. um, I know you talk, first of all, let's start with physiological because um, sure. me personally, I'm a huge fan of this biohacking thing that's going around. Like <laughs> it's, it's been talked about a lot more. I just yeah. recently discovered it. Um, things like, if you guys have heard of like Bulletproof Coffee. Yeah. Um, that's what I've got right here. Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, Lion's Mane, a bunch yeah. of other, uh, you know, biohacking things when it comes to the physiological aspect Mm -hmm. what would you say your top three tips piece of advice things to experiment with would be and then we'll do that for each category yeah absolutely um before i get into the physiological thing i'm going to give a little disclaimer yes because i know that the biohacking world has blown up quite a bit into the mainstream whereas even as little as five years ago biohacking itself was a relatively new term that no one really knew what it was. And so as someone who has a background in functional medicine, I see oftentimes a lot of people who are not so much in tune with or not, um, I don't want to say not knowledgeable, but but perhaps have not been exposed to the right information, doing a lot of self-experimentation with like Wim Hof breathing, with uh, cold ice baths, with cryotherapy, with with a lot of these really cool cutting edge techniques yeah. or taking nootropics in order to enhance brain function and, and all that stuff. Yeah. Where if you look at the foundation of their of their well-being, yeah. they're still not physically priming some of the easiest things that you can do, which is optimizing your sleep, optimizing your diet, and optimizing your exercise. Yeah. So to go back to what your three kind of things that you would want to kind of experiment with, 
Um, I had a patient just a couple weeks ago who was super excited to tell me about this this new nootropic that he's trying out. I won't mention the, the brand because it's like really well known. And he feels you know energized and he wakes up and he's focused and he's able to get shit done and all all this stuff. And um, I was like, okay, that's great. But then when we analyzed his uh, nutrition deficiencies, he was on a fried food diet. He was oh. extremely low in iron and magnesium and, and some of the very crucial nutrients in order for your brain and body to be functioning properly. So yeah. as excited as he was, and he's a young entrepreneur as well, as, as to you know, come across this nootropic and excited about his brain power, yeah. um, you can't be putting a Band-Aid on top of something that's broken. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, and I, and I use this analogy with my own patients where I say that if you're shot in the foot, mm-hmm. um, we can't continuously be putting gauze and band-aids over it. You need to be able to take the bullet out, allow that wound to heal. And then we can look into kind of the cooler funky band-aids to put on top of it. Right. Yeah. So things that before you even remotely get close to biohacking or trying the bulletproof coffee and the nootropics and the lights and the cool things that get shot into your eyes and blue light blocking glasses and all that stuff. Um, Cause there's a lot out there, the, the muse or like, you know, the meditation devices you put on your head there's before so you get into, there. there's so much, I can it's have crazy. an entire podcast just on the technology that's out there. Yeah. Um, but before you get into that, make sure that your sleep is optimized. Make sure that you're getting in the hours, make sure that your REM sleep is, is optimized to give you a little hack for that. Uh, uh, for your listeners, if they're interested, there's mm-hmm. a little device I use called the Oura Ring. Yes. It's, it's spelled O-U-R-A, which allows you to, to track your sleep patterns and it shows you everything from how much deep sleep you got, uh, how many hours did you sleep, how much of that was actually REM sleep. So it's a very cool um, biohacking tool for those people who are looking to optimize their sleep. Um, the next one is nutrition. Mm-hmm. And nutrition is not a one size fits all. And again, this could be an entire podcast segment on its own. <laughs> talking about you know the movement towards everyone going plant-based and everyone preaching out that no plant-based is the way then you got a whole other school of thought saying that no the carnivore high fat keto diet is the way so it's not a one-size-fits-all approach you got to find something that works for you so another tool that i could recommend to your to your listeners is to look into getting an epigenetic test done um there's a variety of of these and you probably want to find one that's credible i could shoot me a message after and yeah. I could probably give you some guidance. Yeah. Uh, an epigenetic test that shows you what your body needs and what um, is optimal for its use mm-hmm. in order to be able to perform properly. Mm-hmm. So some people can metabolize high fats and be feeling that, you know, that state of ketosis. Other people can't metabolize high fats and potentially could be dangerous for them. Some can do very well on a plant-based vegan or vegetarian diet. Other people, such as myself, cannot do so well on a, a vegan uh, plant-based diet and actually yeah. require some nutrients from, from animal products. Right. So for the nutrition, look into customizing a plan that yeah. works for your body and for your genetic profile. Okay. Um, and the last one would be exercise. So that one, I'm not even going to give you any sort of tool. It's literally just start moving. And when I say exercise, I'm not talking about lifting heavy weights. I'm not talking about marathons and hit training and, and mm-hmm. fancy equipment. I'm literally talking about just moving because yeah. just movement in general, if instead of, you know, sitting and having conversations, just standing, getting a standing desk, getting an ergonomic chair, any mm-hmm. sort of even fidgeting has been shown to have profound cognitive benefits. Um, that go far beyond any drug, any nootropic, any source of nutrient or supplement can provide for you. Yeah. I always tell people if um, 
if exercise could have been kind of all the benefits and everything could have been encapsulated into a pill, the pharmaceutical industry would be booming right now yeah. with selling exercise as, as a medication. Mm -hmm. So those are kind of my top three tips for the physiological aspect. I love that you said that. I was like, I was like, okay, she's going to drop some like bombs right now and like different, different, <laughs> I don't know, like nootropics or whatever. But like, yeah. I, like even I forgot that the fundamentals of health are um, eat like food, yep. sleep and exercise. Like that's, yeah. so it's like, before it's like, you get um, that down pack, don't even think about anything else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember, I remember when I was first or like, you know, any guy who's like trying to get big in the gym or whatever mm -hmm. is like thinking like, Oh, I got to go get whey protein. I got to get creatine, yep. like all yep. these things. But I'm like, BCAAs. Oh wait, what about yeah. Yeah, BCA is like all this stuff, but like really just go work out first and then like worry and about that real stuff food. Yeah. yeah. Eat real food, like get yeah. real food in your system. And yeah, I haven't had, although it helps, like I'm not saying it doesn't, mm -hmm. but um, I haven't had like whey protein in so long because I'm just like, I want Good to food. try and get the real foods as much mm -hmm. as possible so that, mm -hmm. you know, at least I'm getting my nutrition sources from there. But For sure. no, that was amazing. I love that you said that. Um, mm -hmm. Okay. So the psychological and neurological side, um, what are three things that you can kind of get your, yeah. you know, your neurological health um, in check? Although, check, you know, yeah. the, the three things that you said kind of do help as well. But, yeah. you know, aside from that. Yeah. Um, I'm going to come back into, again, going into the basics. So there's obviously quite a lot of practices out there with EFT and NLP and, and different ways of stimulating the mind. Um, one really easy one, which I know is, is also kind of talked about abundantly out there. Mm. Um, but it's just bringing back, bringing yourself back to consciousness, gratitude and, and, and presence, meaning that um, how many of us are flying high on just doing things and continuously mindlessly consuming? How often do we actually sit back and think about our way of thinking? And I think again, think again, once <laughs> <laughs> going back to some of the lessons of, of last year and some of the things that I potentially learned in my own isolation was thinking about the way I think. So that meta thinking um, allowed me to come to some really deep realizations about, for example, how my uh, thirst or, or hunger for achievement was being fueled by a sense of unworthiness or a sense of not being enough rather than feeling like, oh, I'm this high performer that's continuously striving to be better every day. Mm -hmm. um, so I think just sitting with your own thoughts and allowing whatever it is, um, if it's negative, if it's positive, just sitting with it and admitting to yourself um, who you are and what has brought you to this this point and who you want to be and what's going to take you to that point is kind of like a self-inventory that we can all do on a monthly, on a quarterly, annually basis in yeah. order to upgrade ourselves. So this can consist of daily gratitude journaling. It could just be journaling period. It could be um, doing some really heavy, deep reflection. And this is not mm -hmm. easy because we sometimes have to face parts of ourselves that we're not so fond of yeah. right it what it, it's not easy kind of admitting our weaknesses or admitting our downfalls when yeah. we just want to be uh flourishing when we want to be feeling like we're a good person mm -hmm. so i think i'm just gonna kind of cusp them all together into one and that's to be more mindful to be more present and to harness relationships in in that process mm -hmm. i think uh, just as a side note one of um the biggest studies on, in longevity ever to be conducted on this planet found mm -hmm. that your connection to others and your number of deep, meaningful relationships was probably the number one um, 
factor for longevity and for mental well-being over everything else. It didn't matter what your cholesterol levels were. It didn't matter if you had a uh, mental illness in your family, nothing. It, yeah. Nothing compared to the ability to be able to connect to others and have those deep, profound, meaningful relationships. Yeah. So again, take an inventory of the people around you. Are they inspiring you? Are they uh, supporting you to be your best self? Are they um, teaching you or are they providing value to some point? Or are you able to show up as your best when you're around them? So I think just becoming conscious of of the type of person we are being and the type of people and environments that we're immersing ourselves into is probably just even more than three ways of (laughs) of getting control of, of that psychological aspect. Hey there, just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for tuning into this episode of the podcast. It really does mean a lot to me. If you are enjoying what you hear, I would really appreciate it if you could head on over to iTunes for a quick minute, leave a five-star review, and tell us what you like about the show. We want this Bless for Success message to catch fire, and the only way that is possible is with your help and support. Thanks again for tuning in. Now let's get back to the show. Okay, so we've talked about um, physiological, we've talked mm-hmm. about psychological, and now there's the final last piece yeah. around productivity. Um, yeah. What would be your final tip, um, couple of tips around the productivity portion, which as you said, is pretty much, you know, one of the, if not the most um, yeah. important piece. Yeah. Um, one is, before you even get into productivity, is making sure that what you're working towards is meaningful and serves a purpose. Mm-hmm. Meaning that um, we're so quick to take on projects, to take on new opportunities. So making sure that the things we're working on are actually in alignment with what we actually want out of our lives is probably the most important aspect of productivity. Because as entrepreneurs, as creators, as, as artists, as, as whatever you are, um, there's a myriad of different Uh, opportunities of people that want to potentially work with you of things that you can do to generate income so you know I just I joke and I say I have to like decline probably 15 you know dms a week of people being like hey I've got this cool opportunity I would love to share with you uh would you like to be a brand ambassador for this would you like to come speak on this would you like to so Mm -hmm. if I said yes to everything nothing essentially would be getting done um and so I have to be very critical of even requests to speak right Mm -hmm. so if I'm getting asked to speak at somewhere that's you know complete opposite of what my ideal clientele or or what what, um, what what audience would receive my message best mm-hmm. and I'm saying yes to it. Now I got to put time and effort and energy into coming up with a presentation, showing up, giving a talk and essentially just being like, wow, that was great. <laughs> right? yeah, yeah. So what is the outcome? What is the, the potential that can develop out of a set opportunity that you're taking on? So mm-hmm. You know, I had a friend of mine uh, quite a few years younger than I am. She's still just finishing up school and, and she wants to get into the coaching world. And she said, you know, there's been a number of people that have told me, you know, join my team for this, join my team for that. I'm just so overwhelmed. I don't know which direction to take. And, and my yeah. advice to her was just put your head down, work on your own thing. There will always be a number of opportunities. But before you have kind of perfected or I don't like using the word perfected, but until you have gained that confidence and in what it is that you want to offer in the clarity of what is the outcome that you want mm-hmm. all these opportunities are simply just distractions so so number number one tip is to be able to discern between opportunity and distraction 
-hmm. Number two, well, let's say you have gained the clarity and the alignment and you know exactly what it is that you want to go for. You need to physically schedule it into your, into your calendar, into your yeah. agenda. You need to have what I, what I like to call dedicated days or designated days yeah. to get different types of tasks done. If you're a coach, if you're a speaker, if you're an author, you're going to have to need times or time slots that you're doing research. You're going to need time slots that you're physically writing. You're going to need time slots where you're talking to people and you're coaching. You're going to need time slots to do things like this, which is you know podcasting and getting yourself out there. So there needs to be a certain order um, or certain time blocks or designation to which days you can get what done. Right. I find specifically um, what really helps kind of accelerate my own productivity is when I was um, spending specific days doing specific types of tasks. So I knew Mondays were just for coaching. I was on Zoom pretty much from 11 a.m. until 6 p.m. All I was doing was just speaking, speaking, speaking. Tuesdays was like my catch-up days where yeah. anything that was left pending, if I had to send an email out, if I had to write a proposal, it was just pending tasks that were supposed to be done. Wednesdays were my writing days where I would sit down for hours and I would just write. And so obviously not everyone has the, the flexibility to, you know, we, we some of us have the full-time jobs as we're going through this. So we don't have the flexibility to completely customize our own schedule, but we still have, you know, in our discretion, what we're doing with the time that we have left over on the weekends, in our mornings, yeah. in our evenings. And I'm not saying hustle until death, but have time blocks scheduled with those goals, with those habits. If your goal is to lose 10 pounds by the end of the year, then schedule in time for meal prepping, schedule in time for exercise, schedule in time for the activities or for the objectives that will get you to that goal you want to go to. Yeah, because I can't say how many people will kind of mindlessly put a goal or an intention out there, but then have absolutely no plan or strategy in order to get to that. And so their deadline comes and they're like, well, I haven't really done much for this. Right. Yeah. But if we just let our schedules go to randomness, then that's exactly what it's going to be. It's going to be ran randomness and, and chaos. So yeah. to physically write out and to schedule and to prioritize which tasks are, are kind of high impact and, and um, need to be taken action on immediately. And mm -hmm. what are other things that could be, that could wait for later. And when do I schedule these things? Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's super important. When I was writing my book, I didn't go on any podcast. I didn't speak anywhere. I think I spoke on one stage and that was only because the audience was like 1500 people. So I <laughs> thought it was a good opportunity, yeah. but I knew that during that period of those, those five months that I was writing and editing, I didn't want any distractions. Yeah. And so I was, I was just solely focused on, on that. Mm -hmm. That would be my second tip. Yeah. Go ahead. I think you, uh, <laughs> no, I was going to say that's no, all. You're like, good. I, yeah. I appreciate, I appreciate you coming on this podcast, you know, to share your message and, mm -hmm. and all of that. Um, did you have a third tip in mind? Yeah. Third tip. Uh, I can always have a third tip. Let's see. Um, the distractions. Let's see here for my productivity. I like to, gu oh, I like to yeah. guide it a bit. I actually yeah, don't mind. I like to guide it. it a bit. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Focus. Like mm. when it comes to deep work, right? Mm. A lot of, we talk a lot about deep work. What, what are your, what's your process of going into, you know, a period of deep work or focus, you know, how do you get yourself yeah. there? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good one. Um, very close to what I was going to touch off on too. So mm. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I think focus is the new currency these days. Everyone says knowledge is the new currency. I, I, hold heartedly disagree. I think knowledge is abundant and everywhere. It's those yeah. people who are able to focus, who are able to get, uh, get stuff done. Nice. Now focus can be from a macro scale, meaning focusing on a single project at a time, or it could be from a micro scale, which means literally getting into the zone so you can get the stuff done that you need to get done. Um, so from a macro scale, I always like saying, you know, stick to that one thing, 
maybe two. There is, you know, an ample amount of, of uh, tasks and projects and things you can take on. Um, I don't recommend, you know, starting to write two or starting to launch one business side by side with another one. I always like to, to focus on one thing, give it my full energy rather than diverting my energy, uh, giving 20% to five things rather than 100% to one. That's right. on a macro scale. On a micro scale, I think focus is something that just like discipline and just like habits, it's almost like a muscle that gets stronger the more we use it. So yeah. that's why things like mindfulness and meditation and, and um, those sort of modalities have been shown to be powerful in helping us develop our focus. Mm -hmm. But I think it's developing the, um, the cues, the routines and the habits around getting ourselves into that state. So mm -hmm. that means minimizing distractions, putting things away that... Uh, we know our kind of like our vices. We want to turn to uh, scrolling and checking our, our uh, social media notifications. We want to refresh our email mm -hmm. or even certain types of people that we're constantly texting or talking to. So knowing how to minimize those distractions, put that away. I often even tell my clients to literally make a distraction list, right? Mm -hmm. What are things that are going to get you kind of out of the zone? And when it's, once they're brought into your consciousness, knowing that they're going to distract you, you're less likely to fall prey to that. That's one. Two is putting yourself in an environment that stimulates your mind to get into that zone. I, um, I used to be a huge kind of fan of the laptop lifestyle, meaning you can work wherever you like. And at, at any point, as long as you got Wi-Fi in your laptop, you're, you're productive and good to go. Yeah. It doesn't work that simply. <laughs> meaning that every time you're put into a new environment, your brain is kind of scanning for new things, new shiny objects, new coffee, new that. Yeah. So it's not always as easy as you know, just whipping out your laptop and, and pounding out deep work. So yeah. having a designated area, whether that be an office, whether that be somewhere in your house, whether that be a specific coffee shop or a specific space you go to, that you know, as soon as you enter it, boom, you're in that state of like, let's get shit done. Nice. That's, that's another kind of um, component also mentally, um, those, those uh, physical cues of environments and places that get you into that state, yeah. um, which, is, which is super important. And then lastly, I would probably say uh, things that will enhance kind of your, your ability to focus. So whether that be uh, specific types of music that get you into, into the zone or mm -hmm. taking things uh, such as your supplements or your um, bulletproof coffee, just <laughs> to be able to kind of sharpen your mind and provide your, your physiological state with the stimulation it needs to be able to hash out um, good quality content or, or deep work. Yeah. So making wow. sure you've, you've eaten properly, making sure that your rest is, is where it needs to be, making sure that you're kind of phys physically and mentally at that level to be able to focus and actually show up. Because mm -hmm. we all know, I, including myself, if I don't sleep properly for one night, um, I have that level of brain fog. If I haven't eaten properly, if I've given into sweets and chocolates and this and that, I, I know now I'm a lot more in tune with my body knowing that my uh, mental state is going to be a little bit off if I don't tend to those little things. Mm -hmm. So just being mindful of other habits that can impede on your level to do deep work. Mm -hmm. it's, it's like you've been saying the whole time. It's, it's the three pillars, like, yeah. you know, the physical, mental, and the, the last piece of productivity, like yeah. everything kind of hinges on the other. And if you don't have one, the others yeah. fall a little bit out of balance. But I love the messages that like you've, you've all talked about, you've talked about um, this whole recording and like, I just feel there's so much more to learn. Um, and hopefully we'll get that done in another podcast sometime. I really would love to have you on the show For sure. um, again. Um, lastly, how I end all my podcasts is just, mm -hmm. you know, today, you know, if you have to think, what does success mean to you? What is it for you? Mm -hmm. I like that question. Um, 
today as of right now, meaning in a couple of months, this definition might, uh, might take <laughs> another shape or form. Um, today, success to me is being able to show up in a way that is in full alignment of who you are without having to feel the need that you have to censor or filter what you have to say mm -hmm. and having the confidence of knowing what you have um, to offer the world is actually going to make a positive impact on someone else's life. So you're releasing your gifts out there completely fearlessly, knowing that you might get some backlash, knowing that you won't be able to please everybody and knowing that the commitment that you make to yourself to show up powerfully is going to make a positive impact in the lives of those around you and potentially even a ripple effect to the lives of the people around them. So to me, that's probably my definition of success at the moment. I love it. I love it. That's amazing. <laughs> That's so awesome. Um, you know, I can really relate to that and in, in terms of, you know, the message. And I think a lot of people can can take that and apply it to their everyday lives to to kind of formulate their plans mm -hmm. and their goals and their habits. Um, mm -hmm. Where can people find you? Uh, what's the best place to contact you? Um, that sort of yeah. information. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm currently in the process of relaunching everything after taking a one-year involuntary sabbatical. So <laughs> believe it or not, I actually had to take my website down. I had to take all these systems and things down that I had put into place uh, just intentionally so people can't find me. Yeah. Um, but we're out of that now. Yeah. I think the uh, best place, believe it or not, that people can, can reach me is through either my personal Facebook or my personal Instagram page. I okay. used to have you know lead pages galore and landing pages here and go to this and sign up for this and get my free this um mm -hmm. i just want to have i just want to harbor that that uh, personal one-on-one -on -one connection mm -hmm. from from anyone that chooses to connect with me so yeah. um Mace yes i guess is my personal facebook profile and i'm very good now at responding to dms messages and so forth and then on instagram as parmiso p-a-r-m-e-e-s underscore um, I've been very active on there recently as well. Mm -hmm. um, my new kind of brand is called Peak Brain Performance, which allows or kind of facilitates the process of healing and optimizing brains for people who are high achievers looking to gain better energy, clarity, focus, momentum, goal setting, and all of that. So that's something mm -hmm. that will be coming out. Um, I'm aiming for February 1st now. Nice. Um, so they can connect with me through Peak Brain Performance on Instagram as well. Uh, tons of content I have kind of in the pipeline coming out uh, on that pl platform too. Awesome. That's that's great. I'll make sure to link uh, link it all in the show notes as well. Um, and no, it's been it's been so great having you on. Um, Thank you. I've learned a lot today, and I think I hope everyone listening has I'm as glad. well. And um, <laughs> you know, I'm excited to hopefully do this again sometime. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on here. Anytime I get an opportunity to be able to share some positivity, I'm, I'm down for it. <laughs> yeah, that was great.